All right. So when you're you're deep into studying rocks and uh, been a while geology, (laughs) is it geology? Right. You know, rocks, things like that. I mean, I'm just going to summarize geology as rocks, which I know is inaccurate, but like, well, yeah, especially because I I, I could have opted for the hydrogeology degree. Oh, water and rocks, water (laughs) and rocks. Okay, now those are the two things I wanted to start with. So when you're deep into studying about rocks. Yes. Do you ever get to the point? In, in the conversation or the thinking where you're like, why do rocks even exist? <laughs> well, let me tell you, Cote, there, there's a lot of uh, long field trips that go through some of the states with the legalized weed. <laughs> and so maybe those conversations happened. But back when I was an undergrad, it was strictly, strictly legal stuff. And uh, rocks only. Now, rocks only. Now, that, that was years. my... That was my first, uh, you know, my first reaction to this conversation in my head this morning was like, you know, this is a typical, have you ever looked at your hand situation, you know, really, really <laughs> looked at it. But, but then I got to thinking like, I mean, so the point of the question is like, like there are a certain category of, of objects that I feel like have to exist. Like there, there's no, there's no way they could not exist in the universe. Now there's another category of objects And it's not so much that they are man-made objects, but they're just sort of like optional, like, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, clownfish, like clownfish don't have to exist. They just do exist. (laughs) Right. Whereas like, whereas like, I think another thing that you mentioned is like, is it the case that water has to exist? Like, I think it has to exist or just like the whole universe doesn't work. Right. and so, and I, mean, and I think chemi- rocks, rocks chemically are, it exists and it has to exist. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Or, or like, or like, if we're in the middle of space, right? Okay. You could be in the middle of space now. In theory, no clownfish. Yeah, there's no clownfish. Clownfish are not required for for existence, right? Totally optional, right? But I think if you are in space, rocks and water have to exist. You don't actually need air. Because as we know, you can't breathe in space. Maybe there's just not sufficient oxygen for us to breathe in space. But like, I think That's air correct. is I think air is optional. Sure. Right? Yeah, and air is just a bunch of chemicals. But yeah. But but I feel like I feel like if you didn't have water and rocks, existence would not exist. So those are those are required substances that must be in the universe, and and not even in the universe, they must be in reality. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I mean, okay, so so you got your basic three states of matter. You mm-hmm. got your you know periodic table of chemicals. Uh, I'll grant you those things. Is that where we're going with this? I th- this is. I mean, I, I mean, are, are, are you tripping on the idea that computers are just thinking sand? <laughs> that's right. No, but that's the point of the, the exercise is is to even consider. Either the absurdity, well, no, just to consider the, the 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 marginal absurd nature of the question to kind of to kind of like have a perspective on and asking other questions. Like a similar question is is the old like you know it's not even as life a simulation because a simulation implies like you know one whatever like that Rick and Morty episode where people just go down a chain of batteries and things like that, right? <laughs> like so that like the problem with the simulation thinking is it's not interesting. It's just like, well that all that we still have all the same problems and understanding of reality because eventually it goes up to like the terminus. I mean, I guess you could say what would be interesting about like what what is it? Solipsism? Solipsism? Solipsistic? Solipsism? Yeah, like you could say that that chain infinitely goes up and infinitely goes down, and then that would be something fun to contemplate, right? But if there is a terminus, there is an end, there is a bottom to the simulation universe and a top to the simulation universe, then on the top, you're just like, oh, we got all the same issues. Like, we haven't actually solved anything. Like, we just have this absurd thing going down, not interesting. Versus, like, if I were to say, what if rocks didn't exist? Like we got a whole we got a whole different ball game going there. Like that's that's something something there. Or or if we introduce the concept of like again, I'm going to go back to it. I I didn't thought think about it till 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 I was asking about it. Is like there must be a name for a category of, and I don't mean concepts because the the world of ideas is a whole other thing. But like there must be a a, a name for the the category of things that can only exist. Like it could never be, there is no universe or state of reality 
where these things do not exist versus clownfish, right? Like <laughs> you can imagine all sorts of states of reality and universes that were totally the same where clownfish don't exist. Like clownfish is yeah. very optional. I, I think you're either treading on the least popular Marvel what if or, you know, that <laughs> cross-listed geology philosophy department class that I didn't get to because I wasn't a graduate student. I never took philosophy of rocks. Um, maybe that's what i'm asking is there a class called philosophy of rocks <laughs> no but i did take i did take uh hydrogeology uh 421 <laughs> all right that's a good stopping point let me see where i don't even what time do you have on your uh oh hmm. i have no idea what time that is because i can't see so yeah whatever. I, do, I don't really know. You, you you did all the talk. You did most of the talking with, with uh, your cheerleader in the back. Mm. Um, here, here, let's be quiet for like 10 seconds. All right, that's good. I can find that marker. <laughs> there was a yell in the background. And I think my daughter's brushing her teeth now. Oh, good. So, you, got, you got an electric yeah. toothbrush there or a manual? No, I can hear the sink running. It's moved from the, the shower to the sink. Uh, I see. So let's yeah. see. Speak, speaking of uh, hot dog head explosion 36, we have, we have Owen here. Saying, yeah. this, is, this is starting to sound like a line of an episode of the infinite monkey cage. For a while after the Big Bang, there wasn't even atoms. It took a little while to cool. Yeah, see, there you go. Now, that, that, maybe that is like a... Because I bet people spend a lot of time pondering what, what, what was before the Big Bang. Right. Yeah. And maybe maybe yeah. that's what I'm asking is like, were there rocks well, before the Big Bang? Right. Yeah. Because because that would imply that rocks are optional. Right. Like, however, it would start to beg the question of like, what is the time before the Big Bang? Like, what even is that? Like, well, if, at least if, now I have our album art or our, 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 so if, if yeah. I if, if we if we or I was the watcher and I went back before the Big Bang, like, what would that be? Like, yeah. what, what, what does that even look like? And I feel like I'm just I'm just going to throw this out. I feel like the absurdity of like thinking there was a time before the Big Bang, like points to some misunderstanding about the Big Bang. Like there can't be nothing before that. So there must be something. So maybe the Big Bang was not that big of a deal. It was just like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to go with Spinal Tap here and just say there's too much bloody perspective. <laughs> yeah. Philosophy of rocks. <laughs> 101. <laughs> 101. Yes. Welcome incoming high school seniors. Let's, <laughs> let's go get stoned in the woods and talk about rocks. Um, but I did take hydrobiology. <laughs> Yeah, I took uh, some fun ones. Um, what, what hydrobiology? What three seventy nine? Uh, sure. I I took I took paleobiology. I took paleobotany. Um, I took hydrogeology. I took a pa bunch of graduate level courses. Paleobotany. I feel like that's who they send to the Antarctic to discover like the old uh, the old alien like spaceship. <laughs> well, botany's <laughs> plants, right? So paleobiology would be like you know. Oh, that would be, and, and, and then, and then, and then the, 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 the guy is always like, I'm a botanist, not a biologist. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, and then like the, like, you know, the, why did the, we bring you? Like the, the roughneck hard hat person is always like, oh, what's the difference? Plants and animals. Ah, <laughs> they all burn. <laughs> They're going to blow up just the same. And then the botanist will be like, well, well, there have been theories about plants that come alive, like a Venus flytrap. And, the, and, and now the, you're getting – so there, there's your question, Kote. Does the thinking carpet uh, planet have to live exist? <laughs> That's right. Or is it optional? <laughs> Maybe that should be the name of this episode, Clownfish or Optional. <laughs> uh, either that or Philosophy of Rocks. I don't know. <laughs> Clownfish or Optional. The <laughs> subtitled "The Philosophy of Rocks." <laughs> oh, this is what happens when Brandon's not here. Hello, this is Brian from Austin, Texas. This show is sponsored by Strong DM. Are you still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? 
Well, it's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and the critical infrastructure that powers your company. With StrongDM, you can instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and cube control command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. Eliminate credentials from end-user workflows. Deploy access at zero trust and least privilege by default. Trusted by your peers at Peloton, SoFi, Yext, and Chime, StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. But who believes an ad? Check out StrongDM for yourself with a no BS demo. Sign up at strongdm.com slash SDT. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, thanks to StrongDM for sponsoring the show. Well, uh, I saw that the United States Senate, not the, the Roman Senate of old, uh, passed a bill. Uh, um, and and, and th- it's the wording of this that I wanted to start talking about to figure out to to keep daylight, to make daylight savings times, daylight saving time permanent. Now, you know, highly related to the idea of clownfish being optional. When I saw this headline, I was, I was, you know, in my, in my uh, over analysis head, having too much perspective, I got confused because I was like, well, if you make daylight savings time permanent, there's only one time. So it's ridiculous mm-hmm. to say that you've made it permanent because to say you've made it permanent implies that there is another option. But the whole point, I mean, the phrasing should be eliminate daylight savings time. Right. Like just eliminate the whole scheme of changing the time around. So it's not that you're making it permanent. You're just like but, flushing this whole idea. But but but, but I, th- I think I think the thinking was standard time was the default. And when we are in saving time, that's what they do in the summer. I see. And I see. they're making the summertime version permanent. Oh, okay. So, so they that's are, my thinking. That's my understanding. Okay, now this makes sense because what they're doing is is they are deciding on a uh, seasonal time algorithm. No, wait, they're not even doing that. They're getting rid the, of the algorithm. The, right. The, the algorithm was introduced to move it around in the summer, and they're like, actually, that's our new time. Because I feel, I feel like it should just be like we're eliminating this time madness, right? Like yes. we're just we're just eliminating this. So we're, it's not so. I mean, it would almost be like let's let's imagine. Uh, the era of prohibition, right? And and let's say just for whatever reason, the the federal government decided like, okay, 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 we're gonna have a week where where alcohol is legal, and and we call that legal week. And every year there's legal week, right? And so if you were to say, okay, we're gonna pass a bill to make legal week permanent, right? No, that wouldn't make sense. Instead, what you would say is we're gonna repeal prohibition. Right. So like like, you know, it'd be it, it, like I feel like this is the same sort of wording thing uh, that, that someone really should have caught in the building. So maybe I don't know if this is I don't really understand what reconciliation is, except some sort of dysfunctional thing. But maybe in reconciliation, they can they can figure this they'll, out. They'll come up with a better name because it's what, gonna, what it's, they call it the sunlight savings plan or something. There's just there's no name. It's just it's just time. It's we just now yeah. we now have time. Right. Like time. <laughs> It's just I have time. given you time <laughs> because because it's going to be confusing if someone says so. Okay, here's another scenario. If someone is like, okay, uh, I am uh, I don't know from Venezuela. I'm a programmer from Venezuela, and so I have to program the time part of this thing. How does time work in in the states? And they'll say, oh, uh, well, you know, in twenty what is this? Twenty twenty two, the Americans made daylight savings time permanent, and then I'm like. What does that mean, right? Whereas, mm-hmm. if, whereas I'm j- if you're just like, no, they just use time, right? Then you're like, okay, <laughs> they use time. Now, now the absolutist here is you're you're going for you know GMT or uh, not not sure. GMT UTC UTC yeah. every. I want I want all I want is UTC plus time zones, right? Like and and now now after this, I know there's going to be. A couple of senators who vote against this, but after this, we're going to get rid of Mountain Time. Fuck Mountain Time. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense, right? That's this Mountain Time is well, just very that, confusing. It, hey, you know Mountain Time. That it makes sense though. You got the the people in the Colorado and El Paso. I don't know. I don't know. But but not Arizona. That's I, that's what makes it confusing. Here, okay, you okay. Got your, your your Pacific Time, and then you've got 
which you would think would be mountain time. And then there's Arizona sitting there like, no, we're not doing that. I've got, so I've got part, two... part of the year they're on Colorado time and part of the year they're on, on California time. Yeah. Okay. Pick, okay. Pick a side. I've got, I've got two comments here. One, I think we need to fill out a MacArthur fellowship to establish this study of the philosophy of rocks and time. Right. I think these are two highly written. You use rocks. To, I, I to think d- that might've been like a radio lab episode. Nobody liked. <laughs> I, well, the, you know, not all academic fields have to be widely liked. Like just the, the exploration of human knowledge does not only involve things that get a high number of Twitch views, right? Like sometimes <laughs> it's very low. But I think, I think you know, the, the time and rocks are closely correlated because you use rocks to date things, yes. right? Like it's the most reliable way to date things. I, I think other than finding like, you know, an expired credit card. Uh, in the in the fossil record, and so you kind of have an idea of, of when that a, was there. a calendar with all the dates marked <laughs> <That's> off. <right. laughs> <laughs> found that, in the... and then a circle that says today. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. The the dinosaurs did not leave that for us. But, so I, uh, I think I think if we combine together the philosophy of rocks with the uh, the study of of time, we we could have a good school there. Now, okay, so that's my first thing. Now, my second thing is I am going to argue. Uh, that mountain time should be eliminated based on on the following. Now, if you are, you know, if you're, you're brought up as an American, all the lore and the thinking, what is, you know, a significant event in, in American history and culture is our, our cowboys and the West, right? Now, Colorado okay. would say that they're part of the West, right? Sure, like, gateway and, to the West. And so I, I feel like if we have Pacific time, that's also part of the West, Right. And so like any any state and I don't know, we might be throwing Texas into here. I'm, I'm willing to compromise on this. I feel like any state, especially once you get into the like Billy the Kid, like desert area of the southwest <laughs> and like that kind of line. In you Colorado, know, El Paso's mountain time. I, the, it's very confusing. This is also troublesome. But like I, I feel like if, if you were featured in some kind of like cowboy movie with like an old town yeah. and like tumbleweeds. You are part of the West, and so therefore you should be following the Western time zone, which we call Pacific, instead of this mountain thing. Because no one was like, oh, you know, in the old days with cowboys and Doc Holliday, they would be in the mountain. Like, there's no mountain. It's just the West. So you have this whole time zone that's like the West time zone. And I think, uh, I think that'll cover us, and we don't, we don't really have to worry I, about it. I, you know, I, if, if we can't get away with everybody being in UTC, I, I say we go straight China style. One time zone, entire country. Yeah, no, no, let's see. This is why we need this MacArthur Fellowship. We should. We should. <laughs> well, we need we, to. We, we we could do. We could do like you know different you know permutations of it and, and you know exactly. Be, uh, see here. Okay, of, of essays and okay here here okay here. Let's let's develop this out a little bit, and then we'll talk about computers at some point. Yes, which which I, as you I, said, I'm ready is, to talk about the computers any second. Well, we'll move to thinking sand. But I want to I want to just fill out our MacArthur Fellowship uh, like thing here, and it is in two parts. It is like okay, so so you know what with social media nowadays, the attention of humanity has been too focused on the the moment, the here and now, right? Whereas what we need to focus on are two levels of, of questions, which is one, the question of time and how. Not so much humans relate to time, but time in and of itself. Because if we can explore the true nature of time in a, a sort of practical, tactical way, how do we deal with time? We can kind of advance a lot of the thinking that we have. Because a lot of the longer term issues that we have, like climate change and um, other stuff, are because we don't have an appreciation of, of, of uh, a long nature of time. So we need to rediscover time. And so this is where we can get into the you know, the, the notion of time zones and the elimination of mountain time, which we might be able to get some crazy, uh, like, I forget, what, what are the name of the, uh, the Koch brothers? Maybe we can get some Koch brother funding in uh, to kind of deal with mountain time. Because think of all, they do a lot of mining operations that they used to. Yeah. And, and I yeah. bet there is a lot of, of productivity time that they spend on just dealing with mountain time. Right. Like instead of it being something else, probably Pro- probably they, they, they run into logistical issues. Right. And, exactly. And, yeah. And, and to circle back, uh, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of people complaining about this. They're like, think of the poor software developers. Exactly. And so I feel like we could go to the Koch brothers and be like, mountain time has caused you a lot of problems. Let's just eliminate it. Can I have $50 million for this foundation? Right. You know, 
we'll start off with the 50. We'll eventually get it. We'll double that, whatever. You know, we'll get our, our, our ARR of one uh, going there. Now, the second thing that we're going to consider, once we have this time thing figured out, this moves us into a, a it, it primes the mind for a, a different type of thinking. And that is when we move to the philosophy of rocks. <laughs> and, and, and the philosophy of rocks is the consideration of one, we, we theorize, our grand theory is that there are two categories of, of physical objects in the world. Again, we're not going to touch the, the realm of ideas. We'll leave that to Pascal and Barclay, but like, and maybe the other ones. But like, we theorize there are two categories of objects in the world. Those objects, those, those physical things that must exist, and those things that optionally exist. And it is by exploring this, this notion that we will again advance humanity. And, and our first question, to, as an example, also the Koch brothers may be interested in this so we could get funding from them, uh, is, or maybe there's, maybe uh, Soros, he's the opposite of the Koch brothers, right? Maybe he sure. would be interested. Although he's more, he makes his money off of pure ideas, with, like arbitrage and stuff. So he might be interested in the time aspect because time is involved in a lot of investment decisions. Uh, not, I'm not so sure about the philosophy of rocks. He may not be interested in that. He might want to diversify. Into, <laughs> I'm cracking myself up here into into uh, rock studies. But anyways, closing it out. The way we close this out is like, and I just want to leave you with it. We just want to leave because you're involved in this too, Matt Ray. We I, we just want to leave you with this. This may seem ponderous, but we ask you: Does a clownfish need to exist? No. There's so many tangents here, um, and the one that you know, you've got your whole quantum computing thing. You were you were to, to almost towing the line to quantum computing, right? You know, you've got your two states: it exists, it doesn't exist, and you know, I need to explore all the space at the same time. And the question, of course, is: is there actually any practical usage of this? Um, oh but, no, that's 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 for the uh, you know the, that's for the Peter Thiel Thiel Foundation to figure out. I think I think they're a lot more. <laughs> A lot more focused on practicalities of things. Well, the, the the practicalities of this DST stuff is, as a developer, you're probably not going to notice it because at this point you should be using a standardized library. It's it's their their problem, right? Everybody is going to get the the you know the package update, and their operating system will be like Indiana messed it up again, or you know, and this time it'll just be like the U.S. moved things around. Like time zones change multiple times a year I, I i mean it's just like people are always you know not not just the u.s but other countries are messing with theirs and moving them around and like i think i think oh, deal there is something right in front of us so the third part of the the institute of the philosophy of rocks <laughs> i think i think that's what we need to call it right the institute let's see the institute for the study of time and philosophy of rocks i think Maybe, Rock, maybe I never, I, ne I never remember what te teleology versus ontology is, but maybe we can work those two words in there. I think, <laughs> I think that might be important as well. But I think, I think, so I've laid, there's a third part, which is, and back to the social and the kids. One of the first initiatives that we are doing is we are going to sponsor three people kind of like, and we won't reference, remember the biodome or whatever, that was a disaster. We're not going to reference that. Yeah. But we are going to we're going to sponsor three people to live for a year on UTC time. They have to agree <laughs> and they've got to make notes that the only time they ever consider and work with is UTC. And let's just see how that works out. Now obviously for everyday use they they're going to have to convert, but they have to run their watch and their timekeeping system on UTC. Isn't just, that just GMT for most people? Well, I, I, you know, I don't really know the difference, but whatever. That's this is why you need to be involved, Matt Ray, because you're you're more of the and, and and I think like most military people operate at that, and a lot of sysadmins, you know, if you're running multinational stuff across time zones, you're like all the computers are UTC, UD. I, now, okay, see this is this is this is that will give us a good start, but I just want to see like for a a a uh, so-called for, for the normal person for a normal person, like how it affects their life and. And it's not so much a study. Well, it's a study of two parts. The first part is just the practical nature of it, right? Like what, what errors, it's a chaos monkey of time. Put that in the proposal too, uh, that phrase. <laughs> and, and we're just discovering how we break the system. 
if you only think in terms of UTC or GMT or whatever, right? Uh, and so that that goes into the next years of research when we go up, we get our, our 50 million and we're going to add 20 million onto it as well from Soros and the Koch brothers. And uh, maybe the, the NIST, is that something? Maybe yes, you probably... Yeah. Maybe you know some of the Australian science community. You can get us some funding oh, as well. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm sure they're just floating Did, in, in money for, doesn't for ontology your, of teleology. If, am, I, am I misremembering? Or, but doesn't, didn't your, your wife work on grant writing at some point? Uh, for public health stuff? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I mean, this, I mean time, time is related to everything, Matt Ray. This is, <laughs> that, you, know, you know it's not optional? Time. Boom! There's the connection. <laughs> the only thing we know for sure that is not optional is time. Or do we? Hey, everybody. It's me. Today's show is sponsored by Postlight. Postlight is a strategy design and engineering firm, and they want you to subscribe to their podcast. After all, who wouldn't want you, a quality listener and person, to subscribe to their podcast? The show is hosted by Postlight co-founders Rich Ziotti and Paul Ford. You may remember Paul from his famous Bloomberg article, What is Code? Now, that's the first article I think I read where I noticed there was a bunch of those little whiz doodles moving around as you read it. Now, hopefully you also remember Paul as writing all sorts of other great articles under the, uh, I don't know, F-Train moniker, his uh, Twitter handle and blog name, URL, whatever. The Postlight Podcast is a weekly no BS conversation. That's a phrase you'll have to look up uh, about what's happening in tech, business, ethics, and culture. A few of the recent guests include Clay Shirky, product discovery coach Teresa Torres, and software-defined talk favorite, Chief Cloud Economist Corey Quinn. The show touches on topics like the power of naming your initiatives, agency product management, programming in Python, and creating more efficient meetings. I'm pretty sure everyone can do better at least two of those. Plus, there is plenty of other discussions on everything from parenting to living in New York City. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast. For more information and to see all episodes, visit postlight.com slash podcast. So, why don't you open up your podcast listener, go search around for it, take a listen. I always enjoy the episodes. They're fun. They open up with a good old cold start, like some podcasts you might be familiar with, maybe even listening to. They're nice and uh, humane and uh, informative. They've got, they've got some great theme music, too. And of course, we thank Postlight for sponsoring our show. All right. So so here here's something I've been contemplating, as you can imagine, with the place that I work and things that I'm interested in, is I've been th trying to think of some recent, which is to say contemporaneous, uh, examples of the business models for, I don't know how to phrase this, but developer-led sales of, like, I'm, to, to make it very- B, B, B to D? <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to make it very specific of what I am going to call on-premise software or on-premises. If like me, you're like, ah, fuck all that on-premise pedantry, right? So like- and what, what do I mean by that? I mean that it's pretty easy to comprehend and figure out if you have a SaaS from a developer perspective, what, what, I, think, what I think Gartner used to call a SaaS, an application software as a service, uh, or maybe it was AP, whatever it was, uh, or just like public cloud, right? Like if it's public cloud or a SaaS and you have an individual developer and they go sign up with a credit card or they use the free tier, like no problem. We got that. We got that going on. Yeah. Product led marketing. Uh, you know, you got your Slack, your Twilio. What the fuck ever, right? Like, cool. <laughs> but like, what I was struggling to think of, and I think I know some examples, but I don't know the details of how they operate. Is that if your developer literally has to download software and install yeah. and run it? Now, the there is the open core model. Right. Because yeah. the other thing I want to eliminate is I'm not talking about open source software. I'm talking about eventually money changes hands. Now, I specifically said who I didn't say who spends the money. Right. Because that's the second part that I'm leading up to. But like eventually, because the developer downloaded and installed this thing, money changes hands and probably a significant amount of money. Now, this is this is the uh, the business, the the basic uh, way of operating for many companies, including the one that I work on. So I'm very interested. I shouldn't yeah, say work but, on, work in. I'm very interested in exploring like examples of how that works. And then just to stop, right, like to, to hand it over to you, I think that HashiCore and GitLab are examples of this business model. Developer right, right. downloads something, 
installs it on their laptop or let's just say on premises. You know, for a developer, their laptop can be the premise. The premises? Whatever. So that could be the on premises. But they install it and manage it. And then eventually, I know I'm repeating myself, eventually uh, it becomes a core part of how that organization works and yeah. and money changes hands. It is paid for, right? And mm-hmm. this is, I think this is, that model, I think is the whole like Red Monk developer or the new Kingmakers like uh, developer, blah, 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 led stuff. And so I just wanted to contemplate the 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 sales the strategy the operations of businesses that actually follow that that model well i, I mean when you have this you know developer led sales motion is is kind of what we're getting at is you know there's still you know i i can assure you hashi you know and and gitlab and others have an enterprise sales team um but of course yeah but but what what your real goal is to get that organic upwelling of sales where, you know, developers go, they make probably an informed decision and, you know, they start using it, they put it in production and it gets decided that it needs to be paid for as opposed to, you know, enterprise sales comes in, makes a presentation, rah, rah, is a bunch of people. And then, you know, by fiat, it's handed down to the team and this is the new tool that you all use. Right, right. Um, now, now, can, can, can I, I'm going to interject here because I think you have outlined two very important lines of thought. One of them is what, what I, the metaphor breaks down pretty quickly, but what I call the janitor strategy. And the janitor strategy, very generally, is that like your effort as a company selling something is to, and I'm going to put it in the passive voice again, but I'll, I'll do it, is to have the developers create a mess. Right. And, and the developers go in and they just like create a mess of governance and stuff. And then you come in and you sell the janitorial services of cleaning up that mess. Straighten it up and show Reapp- how to do it. Right. Right. Reapplying governance, centralizing things, having one bill and that. And the janitors there are often operations people. I mean, operations, whatever. They're, they're often not the application developers. They're not because, the people who, who chose the right, mess to right. make. Be- because, <laughs> the because, ones with because, the buckets. Because much like my kids, developers don't want to clean up their room, right? They're like, I know where everything is. This, yes. this actually is organized. This mess uh, is what I wanted. So you have the janitorial model, right? Now, yeah. in that model, your effort as an organization is to encourage the developers to make a mess with your stuff, right? You're like, Ooh, yeah. I want you to use my stuff to make a mess. And then on the other end... You come in and, and you go to the enterprise architects and the ops people, maybe even the security people, and you're like, whoa, your developers have a messy room. Do you, would you like to hire some janitorial services to come clean that up? So you got that. Well, but, 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 but the real motion here is, is the sales motion cleanup or selling them on like, you know, hey, wouldn't you like to have your developers be put in a clean room where they can work? Yeah. Right. So, oh, okay. So, okay. So, hold on. Know, hold on. That's the one second way, one. That's the yeah, second yeah. one. So, exactly. so, th- so there, I think there's, I think there is a, there's an in-between, a variation of the janitor model because a jan- the jan- and, and let's call it the Mary Poppins model. And the Mary Poppins model is that your kids are a mess. They have, they have the mess of the room. First, we're going to clean the room and then we're going to retrain the developers to like stop messing up their room. And right, you know, they're going to have a nanny. They're going to have a Mary Poppins who's all going to be fun. And you got Dick Van Dyke. It's going to be enjoyable because, you know, developers can't stand to like, you know, be adults. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm only making fun of developers because I myself was an application developer. So whatever. And so like, you know, so you, you kind of you, you, you know, you do the spoonful of sugar routine. You get the exactly. developers to to uh, to mature, sing because, along and dance, right. because, and 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 by the time they're done, you know everything's spick and span, and the exactly, out exactly, because because yeah. Mary Poppins very disciplined and strict, but also super fun, right? Yeah. Like like she she makes cleaning the room Who fun. Doesn't okay, like Mary Poppins. So that's your intermediate thing, and I think what you're getting to was the second now third model, which is let's call it the a priori janitorial model, uh, which is what if. You had a centralized thing. You had the clean room and you put the developers in it and there is, you have constructed this clean room and it is impossible for them to create a mess. 
right? <laughs> now, I think this this is often called, you know, establishing guardrails and governance, yeah, yeah. right? And and what you do here is you go to whoever the janitors are, and I'm just going to say the operations people, but I think it's basically like a side conversation is to ponder at some point, you know, what's the deal with enterprise architects nowadays? But let's just let's ignore that topic for now. I, I had I had a fun talk about three years ago where I explored this thing and like who the fuck knows, right? Like, but uh, so so whoever the janitors are, and the janitors are the one that as a vendor you set who. You sell to the janitors, right? I mean, you sell to the janitors, boss's boss, but whatever. You sell to the janitor organization. <laughs> yeah, um, these powerful janitors. <laughs> powerful janitors. <laughs> Clownfish are optional. Uh, and so uh, so you go to the janitors and you're like, okay, before the d- developers even start, you're going to buy into this system that we have mm-hmm. that makes it impossible for them to make a mess. And then you don't have to go and clean it up. Yeah. Right. And the, the 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 walls are going to be like rubberized, and you can just hose them down when they exactly. Come like like I was yeah. I was in London uh, yesterday for for an event, and I saw two different signs on walls. The first one, totally normal, right, was that it said, uh, you know, uh, this wall. I, I love going to London because it's like, oh, right, everyone speaks English here. I mean, everyone speaks English here, but like everything is in English. Let me put yeah. it that way, and so it's it's. It's easier. However, of course, there are some people who are speaking English, and I still don't know what they're saying. Uh, but I, that's, I get that. Yeah, that's no problem. Because uh, you can just say, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> but um, uh, and, and one, of the, one of the signs said, you know, this, this wall is covered in anti-graffiti paint or something like that. Now, sure, that's fine. And to your point, I saw another sign that said, this wall is covered in anti-climbing paint, and I was like, "What does Whoa. that mean? Anti-climbing? Like, yeah. I guess did you try? I guess it's slippery even when not wet. Uh, is, uh-huh. is the what's going on there? Anyhow, so I think those are the three models that you follow. Well, I guess there's a fourth model, which I would call the <laughs> I would call let's call it like the IDE model, which is just like developers directly buy a tool, right? They just directly buy JetBrains. Right. And there's yeah, not, but that's there's no janitor involved in JetBrains, right? Like it's, but, it's but, just but that that is the janitorial model, right? You're giving them the tools. I, I, I mean, you're letting them use it and other people are like, well, I guess I'll make a mess that way, too. Um, and that okay. that okay. there's I, I don't know. I to me to me, like selling to developers is the, the janitorial model, right? Eventually, someone's going to have to come in and clean up the mess by showing them how to do it right, training everyone else to use the same tools, standardizing it across the board. Um, I mean, unless if, if, if your goal is to get lots of people to use it, you probably need to have that, you know, well, you know, here's a bunch of rope, go play with it. Right. And, you know, eventually someone will get hurt. <laughs> um, but, but that's, that's what, you know, to, to me that, that janitorial model is like, you know, give them enough rope to go mess things up. You know, give them enough, uh, uh, you know, bullets. <laughs> so okay, okay. Apparently, okay. we're playing with some dangerous toys let's, here. But... Let's 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 go through the rope and the bullets and and the janitors and the clownfish here. We're not, don't worry, Matt Ray. We're not going to go back to clownfish. Every every. <laughs> let's not go back to rocks. We, we've so we've submitted that that application to the MacArthur Fellowship. We've got to wait to hear back from them. Any right? day now. Yeah, any any day now. First, we'd have to send it to them, but let's just let's assume that they are listening into this and they're just like, oh, let's let's consider this one, uh, and uh, and also maybe if your wife can submit it to some public health agencies, uh, we, might, oh, we sure. might get something there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> and 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 so, I think what we are so now let's let's bring in uh, our knowledge, which is to say your knowledge of of chef. A, maybe a little bit of trigger mesh thinking, and then also like GitLab and HashiCorp. And let's ask, we don't have to go to each of them, but are all of these basically following a janitorial model? They started there, right? That, or is there a different model? Like, or do, or do they shift around to the other ones? How do they, well, how well, do they, they do it? Right. And, and I think Chef's a, a great example of that. I mean, the first several years of Chef, it was, you know, um, open source tool and, you know, the sales team didn't have a standard script so like what they would come in they'd you know drop into somebody who was you know 90 percent of the time already using the product 
you know, because it was open source, they could go grab it, they could play with it. Um, and, and so, you know, the sales model was like, well, let's see how we can convince them to pay for, you know, this stuff. And, and it was a little sloppy. Right. And then later they got more prescriptive and they're like, look, we're going to show you the right way to do things. And we're going to have to take some firmer opinions about like, you know, the proper way to hold your broom. And, you know, you, you know, you might've gotten this far without it, but our patterns are better and, you know, let us help you. And then later they started moving up the, they wanted bigger deals, right? They wanted to sell to, you know, they, they, they didn't want to sell to managers. They wanted to sell to, to, to use the old, they wanted to go up the elevator, not exactly, down the elevator. Right? And, right. and that meant they needed to have a more prescriptive model. They needed to have um, something that could be dropped in to a lot of people, right? It wasn't just like, oh, you know, we're going to, because when we were doing config right, management, right, right. that was very, you know, you had to work each department because everybody had different problems or whatever. But towards the end of, of, of Chef's you know, tenure, they were doing compliance. And with compliance, you weren't selling to individual developers. Developers don't care about compliance, right? That's that's not their problem. Yeah. But you know, your your CISO, your your CTO, CFO, you know, those people care and they're writing bigger checks. And so we could come to them and say, like, look, we have this great tool uh, that that does compliance. And you know, we're happy to train your security people, we're happy to train your developers, we'll train anybody and everybody because this, this, this I, all those I, I, I want to suggest this is the Mary Poppins model. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, this right, is the Mary okay. Poppins model where, you know, we're going to get the people, you know, singing and dancing some, some show tunes and we're all going to have to do it, right? It's not going to be just, you know, one developer gets to do some compliance over there, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and he's happy. You have to bring it in to more people. Right. And, and probably, and, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, more than a year away from it. So I don't know what they're up to these days, but you know, eventually the goal of course was to get more, more packaged uh, content, more, you know, more stronger opinions where somebody would be like, I'm going to hit these check boxes and it's going to give me the compliance and it's just going to give me the results. And that's even farther away from the janitorial mode. You know, somebody's literally going to like, you know, click on the compliance things they want tested and they'll get some results. And you know, it's not exactly DevOps anymore. It's just like I'm buying this transactional model, and you know, that's uh, that's not the Mary Poppins model anymore either, right? <laughs> you know, that's you know, somebody did most of the the work for me, and I'm just consuming it. And I don't know, you know, we, we need a, a a good name for that, but but uh, yeah, I mean, they made that transition from you know the janitorial. Everybody adopt it. We'll sort it out. We'll help you clean up your messes. To you know, hey, we're going to have to be more prescriptive uh-huh. and you're going to have a lot more people adopting this at once. And, you know, and their goal was, you know, to get just, you know, click and consume, um, which, you know, was less Mary Poppins and more. Uh, now, now, OK, so so we can complete this out. I want to I want to I want to explore more that 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 fourth one, which we could call click and consume. But you said a lot, a lot there that I didn't quite like I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't fully understand whatever depth you were talking about, which was eventually you get to the point where there's a checkbox that you do, mm-hmm. and that and that is not the Mary Poppins model. So what is no. what what is this checkbox thing you're talking about? Let's let's talk more about that. Well, well, with the Mary Poppins model, it was you know, hey, if you do things our way, you know, we can bring in your content, and you know, the spoonful of sugar all goes down or whatever, and you know. We can sort out your problems together and, you know, we've got some good models and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do this together. And then farther down the line is like, look, you don't actually want to do anything with us. You don't want to train up your team. You just want the results. Right. And so right. rather than have to become expert users of the tool, they just wanted to say like, look, I know I need, you know, PCI DSS compliance. Can you give it to me? You know, and be like, okay, yes, okay. Can. So, so in this fourth, so this model is not the a priori janitorial model, otherwise known as the clean room model, right? Yeah. We should we should find another name because clean room implies like um, you know uh, legal prop uh, IP theft, uh, basically is is I think more of what a clean room is, uh, but but basically 
we let's let's call it like janitorial guardrails. Let me let me let me uh, put that in there. Janitorial guard, or or maybe we call it the graffiti proof paint. <laughs> graffiti proof paint model. Okay, uh, and so in that model, you still involve the developers and and the the janitor, so to speak, the person you're selling to is still working with and involved in trying to change how the way developers work. And the way they're doing that is instead of cleaning up their mess, they're trying to create an environment for janitors to, uh, to well, that's, I mean, that, I mean for developers yeah, that, that, to prosper. Yeah, that's kind of the intermediate step. We're like, but if everybody used the same IDE and we did like, you know, um, Git pods and everything, you know, everything was on, you know, VNC or not VNC, uh, uh, you know, remote terminals. Nobody could mess things up. That's right, kind of right, that right. model. And, right? and and so and then the, the the final model is yeah. why do we have a bunch of developers and an ops people? Can I just buy things that are already compliant? Right, right. And and oh, so okay. So the fourth model. Now the characteristic of the fourth model is that you it's a you, pure consumption model. You both you both well well hold hold it. You both do not ever worry about or think about developers. Like Don Draper in the elevator with that guy, you just never even think about developers, and also, uh, you basically are just like an external observer to make sure that things are compliant, right? So, yes. like, you buy a tool that says, "Am I?" You know, I can't quite word this out, but you buy a tool that observes some other process and says, "Is this process doing what I want?" Yeah. Right. Like I can't and, be bothered to train my staff on a bunch of tools. Can I just have compliance? And they would say, yeah, right, we'll sell you that. Right. Right. And, and then, and then the, the, there, there's a deeper version of, of this model that gets into outsourcing, which is like, why do I even have developers? <laughs> right. Like, like, and yes. so why, why don't I just outsource that to someone? I don't know. I, th- I think we got to work on this fourth one a little bit. Cause I understand with compliance, what it gets to, right. You're basically, right. it's just a tool sell to like, you know, it's like traditional operations where the op- traditional operations doesn't really care about developers. They're just given something and they need to make dashboards and know when to like, you know, push the reset button on it. I mean, I kid, right? Like, like that's, that's like, I think. Op- but, but yeah, it's definitely still like a manufacturing model, right? At, at the bottom, you've got, you know, your artisanal hand-built stuff. And, you know, the opposite end is like, you know, hey, I click on this link and Walmart or Amazon, you know, delivers it to me. And I never had to know how to, you know, I didn't go through these steps of like getting better and better tools and becoming a better craftsman and, and, you know, buying my own wood shop and buy, you know, replacing my, you know, $2 hammer with a $14 hammer. You know, I never went through the steps of becoming a craftsman or anything. I was just like, look, yeah, I can't yeah. be bothered. I just want to consume. So, okay. I want to, I want to throw this, I want to throw this out. And then I think this will, this will bring us back to uh, out of the theoretic world of, of rocks and clownfish back into, you know, I think, I think there's, there's a couple of, we could talk about like GitLab and HashiCorp and maybe like Dell's recent, like uh, developer stuff in, in relation to this. And that is, I think maybe this fourth model is the developers are not involved in this model model, right? Yeah. Like there's just no, like, and, and therefore, you know, not, the developers didn't want to think about compliance anyway. Right. So right. we took them out, you know, we tried to give it to him. We tried to teach him, you know, we had the sing along, we, we, you know, I went to, you know, I played some golf. I had some fancy dinners. And at the end of the day, I decided, you know what? Screw those guys. I'm and, just going to do it myself. And, and this is, this is, this is, uh, this fourth model is still part of this IEEE paper that we're writing uh, here, Matt Ray. <laughs> but the fourth part, we only mentioned this fourth model to show that there are models that in no way involve developers. So if you yeah. as a, as, as a, as a business are following this fourth model, you don't need to worry about developers. Just like that doesn't ever come up. Like not a big deal, right? Like it's, it's well, not involved. Yeah. They're going to be places you pick. And I, I, I think that's the goal, right? The goal is to have as, as little friction and interaction with your customers as you can. Because <laughs> if you can get that, like, you know, well, it's purely transactional. Like, I don't actually have to go in and do professional services or training. Right, 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 right. Sell you right, a widget. Right. That's pretty awesome. And then if you kind of think about it, you're back at selling direct tools again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, like what, you know, the ideal, 
I think the ideal sale as far as productivity, which is to say the time it takes you versus the amount of money that you make is probably selling directly to the consumer who has the money. The, selling directly to the person who uses the thing that has the money to pay for it, right? Because yeah. then you don't have to do this roundabout thing of like ROI and, you know, so the, 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 the VP of whoever's buying the stuff just like makes someone else use it. So it's always good to actually sell to the person who has the money and uses the tool, which is not usually the way enterprise software is sold, but that's kind of like the, the baseline models. Okay, so yeah. if we were, with the, with the collective knowledge that we have, which on my part is very little, of like how HashiCore and GitLab works, does it follow the janitor model? Is that, what it, is that the developer-led way that they do things where essentially... And, you know, I'm putting this in jokey, like negative stuff, right? Like there's, there's a positive way of putting it. But if I were to go and talk to the, to the, to the GitLab and the, the HashiCore kind of sales strategy business people, and I was like, I think what you do is you encourage the developer world as a whole to use as many of your tools in their own way possible and you want to spread that usage like kudzu like an invasive species throughout their organization and then you probably have a good sense of downloads for organizations like you know bit you know mid-eastern warm smiles insurance or company uh has downloaded a lot of these different things and you can track that developers in there are actively using it so you should have your reps go to, uh, we'll call it Smiles for short, so I don't have to say Mid-Eastern Warm Smiles Insurance uh, Corporation. But so you go to Smiles and you're like, boy, looks like you got a mess there. And you know, you may not say it that way, but that's basically the way of saying it. And and you you're offering the janitorial and maybe even the Mary Poppins services. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. In there, and and then that is the core of 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 the business for for maybe. Early. At first, it started that way, right? Right. And, and and as they got the adoption, as the as they as the the messes spread like wildfire, and, and there's just you know filthy you know f- filthy terraform deployments everywhere, um, they started saying, "Hey, you know what? These messes are getting kind of annoying. Wouldn't you like a hosted version, right? Wouldn't you like some somebody to to do some sanity checking?" And then you turn around to the enterprise, like, "Wouldn't you like some?" Uh, you know, maybe you don't let them do these things to production and you throw some guardrails around here and I could sell you those things. And so, and you're like, and if you hum along, it's the Mary Poppins model. Right. And if you keep moving up the thing, it's like, you know, Oh, now it's a SAS. Now, you know, I, I haven't had to like become an expert in every aspect of the tool. Um, my, my messes are smaller. My visibility is better. Uh, and then, you know, eventually their goal will be like, check it out. Eventually, you're just going to consume this thing as as a you know consumption based service, and you'll pay by the deployment, <laughs> you know, and, or some 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 model where they can get really transactional on consumption. So instead of being like, well, we're going to have this site license and ARR, they'll be like, you use the tool this much, you pay this much, you know, and that's the goal for everybody. Everybody wants to be you know EC two charged by the hour, charged by the millisecond, whatever. And you have as little interaction with your customers as possible. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the the goal for for you know d- developer sales. Well, we didn't we didn't discuss if Dell should pay attention to developers, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, we, we, I got we got to the philosophy of rocks. I'm I'm glad. Hard. I, <laughs> hey, like a rock. I uh, I uh, I'm glad we we got down on the record the janitorial model and the Mary Poppins model. Yeah. I think. I, I, I think I think there is lots of discussion. I like the develop- janitorial model. Yes. I think there's lots of discussion of developers of the kingmakers, but there is very little discussion of uh, of developers or the money people. You know, or, what's the try to? There's very, very few, very little discussion of developers are the ones that cause you to make money. Boy, that's that's a shitty. I, th- I think I think the the real lesson here is enterprise sales is really just janitorial sales. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss your janitor. All right. <laughs> Well, Brandon's not here, so I'm going to cover the bureaucracy, but I'm not sure if we have any bureaucracy uh, to cover. Thanks for everyone who uh, has told us things and done stuff since last episode. Now, we do have a Slack channel. <laughs> if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, 
you should go in there and check it out. All sorts of things. And if you want Brandon to send you stickers anywhere in the world where they are sendable, uh, you can send your mailing address. That's key. Your name might be good too. I guess he could make up a name, but send your name, name, your name and mailing address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com and, and we'll send you some stickers. Um, the only other thing to mention is if you go to the show notes, which is at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 349, where this year we're thinking of doing some meetups here and there. I don't really know exactly what we'll be doing, but you can sign up to get invited to uh, future meetups uh, that we'll have, which, which I think would be enjoyable. Now, there are several conferences coming up. At the end of this month, March 30th, that's March, not the other M month. There's only two M months in the year, right? Yeah, that's right. You got two J March months. And May. There should be a list of months whose first letter occurs twice uh, in, in, in the year. You got June, you got June, July, March, May, January. Boy, J, J is the king of the first letters of months. Anyways, at the end of March, March 30th to 31st is the .NET Beyond Conference, which will be streamed for free in Twitch. And uh, you can go to the show notes uh, to find a link to that. There's also that conference over there in Round Rock, March 23rd to 36th. We got all sorts of other conferences, lots of DevOps days you should check out. I'm actually going to be at DevOps days, Austin, May 4th and 5th. That I'm looking forward to that. And um, at the end of April, we have a spring tour in Chicago, which I'll be at, which I should really figure out the dates for that. So I, it's the last week of April. And then finally, we have Spring One Platform, San Francisco, December 6th to 8th. I'm probably going to be there unless something weird <laughs> happens. Yep. So uh, check that out as well. Now with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Well, my recommendation for this week is uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the Kubernetes um, documentary. You know, we, we gave our critiques of uh, the crane shots of, or the, uh, the drone shots of the Amazon building and uh, you know, how they, they went through it. Um, they're the Kubernetes podcast uh, episode 170. They actually interviewed the, the director. And um, he gave a lot of behind the scenes stuff about how it was made. Nice. Uh, it was actually really interesting, you know, um, how uh, the, there's this uh, uh, recruiting ish company that uh, they're using the commercials or using the, the documentaries as kind of like brand awareness. And uh, they're getting a lot of views. Huh. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, the it, uh, you know, since we talked about it, if you enjoyed watching it, um, I, really good behind the scenes content. So, uh, you know, the, the Kubernetes podcast is, is in my list of uh, things to listen to. And uh, not everyone is as, uh, <laughs> as light as this one. But uh, definitely, definitely check it out. As hard hitting as, as, uh, as this is. Well, this some episode. of them, I mean, you know, obviously it's, it's Kubernetes. It's exciting stuff. So, you know, they might. Uh, oh, you mean as, as light as this episode? I thought you were referencing our philosophy of rocks commentary. Dude, I've left the rocks behind. <laughs> no more rocks. <laughs> No more rocks, man. I changed majors. <laughs> so, uh, do they do they do they cover why there's no one from Amazon interviewed in it? Does that come up? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely acknowledged that you know they they needed to set up set up a, a you know a conflict of sorts and you know the the boogeyman and oh um, you know he I mean he talked about you know some of the dramatic devices that they used. And, so he was know. like, we we kept inviting people from Amazon, but they refused to let us make them up like Pennywise. They just said, they, and so that's why we didn't, that was the only way narratively it would fit. The story, like yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't go back and redo the storyboards. Are you no, crazy? No. Yeah, this is some Jardawaski level storyboarding that we were doing. So like we can't, we got to, you know, we hired the makeup person already. Yeah, yeah. I see. Well, well, my recommendation when I was in, uh, when I was in London, well, first of all, it's, it's such a delight to do some work travel again. It was, I was a little nervous. I had to figure out, it was very ambiguous. It turns out it wasn't ambiguous at all, but I wasn't quite sure if I needed a self-test to get back into the Netherlands, but I did. And I think they're, they're going to lift that on March 23rd. And also you Just don't have to do it. for another outbreak. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to do it. You only have to do it if you go outside of the EU in the Schengen zone or however you say it. So since I was going to the UK, I had to do it, but whatever, that's fine. Um, and uh, so that's fun. But while I was in London, I just was walking somewhere and there was an Amazon Fresh store, one of these stores that has no checkout clerks. You just walk in <laughs> and, and pick out your stuff and walk out. Now, what they don't tell you, I mean, obviously, is that you have to configure your Amazon app correctly 
so that you can scan a QR code. And so, so there's some dude who has to hang out well, by the entrance and make yes, sure that yes, you've yes. got your. In this case, it, it was a very a very helpful dudette, but that okay. that was fine. And uh, and and but you know if I if I wasn't in the weird international traveling mode that I'm in, it would have been totally fine because my issue was that you know I live in the Netherlands and. I probably should switch over to the Netherlands Amazon maybe after this year when they beef it up. But the German Amazon is the one that you order from around here because it's better. Uh, yeah. uh, and so I'm set up in the app to use the German Amazon. So I needed to switch over to the UK Amazon app. And I used to know how to do that in the app, but they rearranged it. So I had to have her help me I out. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I mean, it used to be very simple, but I had to have her show me where it was. It's really stupid. Like there's... There's a screen that is the different subcategory shops. And for some reason, you go to that screen and you scroll all the way to the bottom and then you can change the flag to be which country you're in. Mm -hmm. Whatever. So I changed it over to the UK and then you've got to select a payment method. And then you have to wait for the app to refresh because it's probably like some serverless thing that has eventual consistency before it offers you the code that you can use. So she had to go in and search for Amazon fresh code Boom, then we found it. So once you're set up, and again, if I was actually a UK resident and I didn't have to go through all that, it would have been totally fine. But of course, being Amazon, they don't have a normal QR code. They spin the QR code. Is that 45 degrees? So it's a diamond, basically. Really? Yes, whatever, whatever. And then you scan that in, but then it really is exactly what it says. And there's a, there, there's a twist ending that I think you'll enjoy. You walk in. And only if you look up will you see the 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 uh, places the, crawling the, with cameras. The ceiling yeah. basically, like if you imagine that you had cam speaking of sand, you had cameras that were glitter, and you covered the ceiling in glitter. I and mean, it's not that oh bad, gosh. but there's cameras everywhere. Um, but you go in and you just pick up stuff, and then you you don't even scan out; you just walk out. Yeah. And then and then you get it. You get a message. Now, what was awesome is I bought some uh, some PG tips because I figured you know buy some English shit. When, when in the UK, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I also bought some uh, some lime or cucumber water, and I also bought some gum. Uh, and uh, But then when I walked, it was about five pounds. When I walked out, there was a promo going on to that store, totally free. It was 555 uh, quid sterling. I don't know what the fuck you say. and uh, But then there was a 555 promotion, walked out totally free. It was awesome. <laughs> so Or maybe the app just was broken, and they're like, just let them go. Yeah, uh, that, that could be. But, you know, it was it was the I, I know that this is an Amazon principle that comes from like uh, customer delight. But I think they should enshrine in their principles that if there's a problem, just refund the money, because I think that is kind of a core, maybe not an AWS. I don't have experience there. But on the retail side, I think that's a core Amazon thing. It's just like I, I think uh, on AWS, like, you know, you're like, oh, you know, my account got hacked. They're like, fine, we won't charge you 80 grand. Right. Yeah, they, yeah. They generally have a fairly decent reputation about hacking kind of stuff or, you know, weird things like that. Yeah. But then other times they're like, you know, hey, you signed up for that EC2 instance. You let it run for a month. It's not our problem. Right. Yeah. I, th I think maybe to use old old guy Java terminology, you know, when, when an exception is thrown, you go through all these catchings of exceptions. Yep. And eventually you get down to just like, fuck if I know. And I and you know you don't know what it is, and I think at that point in Amazon there's a refund money to customer exception that you yeah. just throw, but only on the retail side, uh, as far as I know. Well, speaking of being on the retail side, totally unrelated to that. This has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash three forty nine. We'll uh, try to keep you updated on that MacArthur Fellowship uh, uh, acceptance. There, we might need to start up a new podcast. But you can, you know, once we do get accepted, which I'm sure will happen, uh, we'll announce it on the general channel in our Slack, which you can also join if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com and uh, hang out with us between episodes and, uh, you know, t tell us what you think about rocks and uh, if, if they or, have to or, exist or, or not. And that, anyway, here's, what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to uh, if you want to talk about rocks, add the hash code rocktalk. <laughs> so so that so that Matt so that Matt Ray can filter it out. He's gonna put oh, he's gonna right. put the, the Rock Talk hashtag on on his code. All right. <laughs> All right. With that, uh bye bye. Goodbye. And after all, if we're all made of stardust, aren't we just a type of sand? Just squishy wet sand.
is, is what's sand going on. and water. Yeah. You know, I, water. I know we want to get to the computers, but just very briefly, Matt Ray, since you are highly educated in this field, what is like the definition of sand? What makes something sand versus dirt versus very small rocks? <laughs> All right. So I think I think dirt usually has a, a fair amount of organic material to it. Ah, you know, so leaves okay. and twigs okay. and, and sticks that have been ground down. And then you got your, you know, uh, uh, worms going through there and eating stuff and, and what whatnot. Um, sand is, I, I believe, a um, sizing of rock um so so as the rocks go from you know boulders to you know pebbles to you know sand and and down um it's about like the size i don't think i don't think sand implies um you know despite uh, us you know calling uh it thinking sand usually it's actually silicon which is in a lot of sand but not all sands so you know sand doesn't necessarily have to be um uh quartz so and, I, I think so, the the answer is it's uh, if I remember this term it's it's sort of a categ- category error categorization error is that like the the your question is 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 you know irrelevant because of bird hair but whatever but it's also like because sand is really just small rocks and 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 the <laughs> word the word sand is a word like pebble like we all agree that pebbles are a type of rocks and sand yeah. is just a type of very small rocks. Uh, so yeah. there you go. And so, you, you know, your sand, that doesn't necessarily imply what the sand is made of. So, you you know, you go to Hawaii, you got your black sand beaches, your green sand beaches. Right, 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 right. It's, it's, uh, it's strictly measurement. That's all sand yeah. is. And, and and white sands, uh, New Mexico, it's uh, it's gypsum. Gypsum. Oh, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> I did. All right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> Oh man! Usually, you're the late night one with the glass of wine, and you know. Yep, <laughs> it's morning cote. This is what happens when morning cote is on his coffee. See, I could I could do a Twitch streaming like this. This would be yeah. great. The the Institute for the Study of Time and the Philosophy of Rocks. We call it cote time. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that that would be great. The Philosophy of Rocks dot plumbing. Did <laughs> <laughs> that pizza. Uh, all right all right all right so now we're going to talk about developers <laughs> thinking sand yes thinking boy i gotta get those those google people on this thinking sand all right 